welcome to a brand new episode of the Tire Kicker Podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Nate. And I'm Julian. Join us as we talk about what we consider to be some of the raddest and most iconic vehicles of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And don't forget to get the full throttle experience by checking us out at Tire Kicker Media on Facebook and Instagram. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Rubber Lounge. We are in the Rubber Lounge. Nate, you had an interesting concept to talk about today. Yeah, so I've kind of had BMWs on the brain. So I was thinking, why don't we talk about why... I don't know if we're going to be able to follow this, but I'm like, why shouldn't we all just get BMWs? Mm. I don't know if we'll be able to follow it because I think we'll probably just all be like totally on board with it so <laughs> right but there's there's a pros and a con to it though right yeah 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 last week i was looking at a website i was like you know what are the best bmws for your first bmw or something and it was all geared towards like kids which i thought it was kind of funny because it's like oh 16 year olds the best car the best bmw for a 16 year old is a i don't remember what it talking about like three series and five series. Yeah. But then I got to the seven series mm. and I'm Dude. like, you know, okay. I'm just, I would just have to go all in and just get one of them because why the hell not? You know? <laughs> yes. And get the L mm. right. Get the really mm-hmm. big one. Yes. Yep. The bigger, the better, the bigger, the better, bigger engine, bigger car. Would you drive it yourself or would you like, would you make Wanda drive it and you'd sit in the I'd back? I'd probably hire somebody to drive it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'd hire somebody. If it was one, I bet that they made those with built-in car phones. Oh, yeah. Do you think I, I would have to get one of those? Yes. Think. You think I could get service on that? I think you, it was one of the first cars you'd get like built-in internet as well. That'd be sweet. But I'm like, I'm trying to think like, of course, you know, my brain, I'm always like, well, I could get rid of my, this, get rid of my car and then get one of these. And I'm like, like, but I go from a, go from like a really reliable, you know, newer Korean car to in my Hyundai to a, to a older, more expensive, luxurious reliability question mark car. I mean, honestly, I don't know a lot about BMWs and their reliability i just you know have that whole stereotype of like super complicated uh really expensive hard to maintain european well pull up a chair and let me regale you a tale of the reliability us, of BMW. <laughs> <laughs> i will say beans that i've owned a bmw for many years no longer own it by the way so the bmw is notorious for having great motors So they are very reliable motors. They know how to build a motor very well. It's every other thing in the car they have a horrible time with. (laughs) So especially the electrical systems of most of the, especially like the E36s and the E38s and stuff like that, they had really bad. I can't really speak to today's, you know, BMWs, but I do know that there's a lot of chatter on the web that I you know, frequent and stuff that they still have hard times with many different features. My experience with the BMWs is not totally vast. My dad has one right now. My neighbor has one. 
been in a couple older ones. And generally, they are pretty great. But my dad has one that's not really high miles. And he is not willing to drive it to my house in Arkansas from Georgia. Really? How many, what, How old is it? So it's uh, like a 2002. And it's pretty well put together. You know, nice, tidy. And he feels that it's but, not reliable enough to drive it that far? Yeah. Really? How far of a drive is that? Now, here's the thing. So it's a thousand miles, 1100, give or take. And it's not that it's an unreliable car, right? Around town, something goes wrong with it. No big deal. What he's worried about is getting in the middle of Alabama and having something break and kind of being like at the mercy of wherever he is. Probably not a lot of Beamer dealerships around there, I'm guessing. That's the point I was going to say. They're not exactly, I mean, if you have a 2000 you know, 18 or something like that, BMW, have an easier time fixing it than like a 2001. You know, the parts aren't exactly easy to find anymore. You can't just pull into a Napa. You don't see a lot of BMW dealerships just lined up (laughs) across the highway, you know? So yeah, I can see that. I can see that. He's the type of person who thinks about it as like, well, an oil change and wear and tear is worth renting a car. And if he has anything on the dash, it's just a no-go. He's been burned a couple times. At one point, he had this old Range Rover, and he tried to drive it from Arkansas to Georgia, and it broke in the middle of Arkansas, and like that became an overnight stay. It's not the type of thing you can just pick up a piece for. Now, his old BMW, the one he has now, it's a 323 wagon. I think it'd do just fine. But it has a light on for the ABS, and of course, like anything you Google, it's going to give you like the worst-case scenario. And so... You know, people are like, well, you know, if you drive it and the wheel speed sensors are off, the whole car will catch on right. fire. Engine and you'll never make it to yeah. your destination. <laughs> <laughs> the wheel speed. We also had to do a bunch of work to like get it where it is now. On that generation, there were some cooling system things that just, you know, the material they're made of doesn't last. It deteriorates. You replace it. It's fine now. But I think he kind of. That's the type of problem he's happy to deal with around town, but he's not as happy to deal with on the highway. So, I mean, what is the consensus with, so with BMWs, it's like they're great cars to lease, you know, when they're brand new and then you just turn them in before they start causing problems. Or, or if you're a real fanatic Uh and a gearhead and a glutton for punishment, then go buy your favorite one that's an older vehicle because they're probably fairly cheap. Those older luxury cars are can be had for pretty cheap, but you got to know what you're getting into with those. Yeah. And there's also, I think a point where like luxury wears off, you know, and that's why people lease them. You know, part of the, the value of luxury is like the newness and the freshness and the technology that's new. And some of that kind of ages, you know, I have a, another friend has like a 330 XI, which is really, really cool, but you know, it doesn't have Bluetooth. It's great era of car, great to drive. Really nice power. The thing I really enjoy about those motors is that you feel like they almost have the same amount of power all the way through the rev band. It's just like really smooth and consistent. You're not feeling like jerked around. Well, that's what I was going to say. If you're looking at, like I saw this awesome article, I think years back I might even shared it with you, Nate. This guy wrote this article about like the most affordable power that you could buy what can you find that's like five grand or under 
that's just going to be like serious power and have the option of putting even more power behind it. And he went through all these different cars and stuff. And what he landed on was the V12 BMW, like 750IL, I think it was, 2001. He actually bought the car for five grand. And he's like, this thing's stock hits like 310 horse or something like that. Pretty torquey as well. And you're like riding in a cloud of wood and leather and stuff like that for a 2001 or whatever. He's like, the technology was actually still pretty comparable to today for five grand. He's like, this thing is pretty amazing. And I would have to agree. I mean, the bad thing is like, it just shows you the value of the car doesn't hold up, you know, but the cool thing is, is that you can still get a pretty cool car for five grand. You just have to you know, suck it up and understand that, you know, if something breaks on it, you have to go down and pay with gold, you know, to get it fixed. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think they're super rad cars and you just have to understand what you're getting into. I miss my E36. I love that body style so very much. And it was just a 318 Ti. But like what you're saying, Julian, same thing. It held the power band. It was a fun, fun car to drive. It wasn't the fastest thing in the world. It wasn't as fast as some of the other cars I've had or whatever. But I tell you what, I commuted with that car every single day for like six or seven years, put over 230,000 miles on that car. And I laid into that car to and from work every single day. Like I put my foot down on that pedal all the way there and all the way back and drove that thing like a go-kart and it handled it. The only time I had ever had anything go wrong with it was when I was having it heat up one day it blew a water pump but i was like at that time it had over two hundred thousand miles i'm like oh okay you know no big deal and then after that then i couldn't get the bubbles out of the system and i blew a coolant hose and that was the only times that it had to sit for a minute but once i could figure out and read german on how to actually get the air out of the system <laughs> <laughs> what was the magic what was the magic well, there's a little screw on the good. top of the radiator okay that i didn't even find my mechanic friend he was over and he was trying to help me. We worked on it for two hours trying to get the air out. And he was trying to burp it. And also, and I was like, I tried that. I tried that, you know, and we just couldn't get it. And all of a sudden he's like, what is this little screw thing here? And he's like, do you read German? I was like, no. So we like, <laughs> we had to look it up online. He's like, I think this is it. And so he like screwed it. And all of a sudden you just, I mean, it, it went off like 3000 PSI, just all his air just come flying out and then boom. And it was fine. You know, I was like, holy crap, that was awesome. But again, I love that car, man. It had all sorts of problems with it. It did. But I never worried about going to and from a place in it. But I see where your dad's at. Yeah, and he doesn't do, you know, he literally goes to the YMCA, which is five miles away, and the coffee shop, which is probably two and a half miles away. And so his circuit is just that size. You know, a thousand miles is 200 trips for him. And he probably does have an issue every 200 trips. To be fair, like he needed a battery today. It's a six-year-old battery. And so it's not unexpected, but it's one of those things where he totally would have killed it in Atlanta, you know, and lost an afternoon trying to figure out that the battery's in the trunk and that his central locks don't work. And it's just a stress that a person doesn't need when they're out in a place that they're unfamiliar with and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So my buddy Sam has this 330, and he's been trying to sell it forever. Mm. And he wants about five for it. It has about 120,000 miles. It's a manual, all-wheel drive, silver, four-door. You know, it's like the quintessential BMW from the 2000 odds. And nobody will buy it. 
Like it has this little thing, the shift linkage that's a little bit loose, but he's had lots and lots of bites, but for some reason, like the little things like that just scare people off. To their detriment, it's a great car. And so is the XI, like a 330XI? Yeah. I had another buddy who had an E30XI. That'd be an IX. Yeah, IX. So yeah. it was a 325IX. Really beautiful car. You know, they had this full kind of body kit that was unique to that model and things like that. And I ended up ripping the entire front end off of it, trying to tow it <laughs> one day. <laughs> oh, no. You know, this is like classic college fodder. A couple of young guys were all bunking up together in this house, and his car breaks down. And I'm not sure if it was timing belt or something like that, but something broke on it. And we decide that we'll rope it to the back of my car at the time, which is my old Saab 9000, and pull it across town. (laughs) Because that's what you do, right? So we rope it off. I'm hooked into his front tow hook. He's hooked into my rear tow hook. I have more than enough power to pull this thing. But there was a point we kind of come to a corner, and... The rope goes a little bit slack. He goes to pull the slack out of the rope, and so he pulls the e-brake. The e-brake has that button to release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he pops the e-brake, and before he kind of realizes it, the whole car just comes to a complete stop, and I rip the front end off because the button, you know, he didn't put it back down, and just the slack was so much that it just obliterated the front end of that car. And we ended up kind of patching it up and getting it back together. But there was like long-term wiring issues after that. And I mean, it was a bad day. It was a bad day for Charles. That was before kind of circling back to the timing issue. And, you know, I think that on those cars, it was like every 30,000 miles, no, 60,000 miles, something like that, which totally reasonable. It's like an easy job, but, you know, just kind of speaks a little bit to the times. You know, I don't know what the interval on your Hyundai is, the rest of the car like melts <laughs> off before the timing belt needs to be done or something. But it's a lifetime timing belt. <laughs> it's not the lifetime of the car. It's the lifetime of the owner. Yeah. So the car will still be around. When you're done, you can wear it to hold yeah. your pants up. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd still take one. I still think they're just great looking. And it's one of those things where you're driving it because you just like it. It's a choice. I think a lot of the newer ones are just sort of like you say, like people just buy them because they have that brand identity and they're going to lease it for three years and move on to whatever the next thing is. So do you think it's always been that way? Like when it's current, people are just buying it because of like that brand and they're like, I'm going to lease it and it's fancy and I'm a fancy person. And then they're going to turn it in and like the true lovers and the true people who appreciate these cars, they never get into them until they're older. I'm sure Plenty of enthusiasts buy them new, but yeah. I mean, I've I've got a buddy Ben Bricker, and he's M2. Man, what a great car! You know, it's like one or two years old. It's this beautiful metallic blue. He is an enthusiast. Didn't buy it brand new. I think he probably bought it a year and a half or two old. But he's not going to lose money on that car. You know, he bought it, and he bought a specific type of model such that it'll retain the value enough that he'll get to enjoy it for a couple of years. And then probably before something really expensive breaks, he'll find the next unicorn. So I think he's kind of like right in between those two ideas. Like he's not like buying it new and riding it out forever, but he's also not taking that initial depreciation hit. Right. 
you know, obviously with us, with our show here, you know, we like the rad, so we kind of like, you know, the older things, but I just think almost all the BMWs are just sexy vehicles, at least like the cars, you know, the sedans, the coupes, you know, I don't know about the SUVs necessarily. And and I know that we've talked some about the newer BMWs, but yeah, they're all just cool. I agree that almost all of the BMWs I think are sexy. I will, to the point of what your buddy, his 330, that's a hard car. They're very bubbly. And again, that was just a bad era for cars. Like we were talked before, you know, I think it was just that series of years there that that era there we go the era that you know it's like autodesk or something like that people are using the computer to design cars and it just fell flat but i think everything up to then and then everything after that era has been great and me personally i found a 325 ix for sale and i was like man i didn't even realize and i've been a bmw enthusiast for a long time but I guess not an enthusiast, a fan, but I didn't even realize they had an IX back then in 88, you know, and it, like I was looking at all the options and stuff in that car. And I'm like, dude, these guys were so far ahead of their time on so many different things. Like you just didn't find all wheel drive sedans like that. And then they didn't look like an Eagle, you know, it had heated seats and everything. I'm like, that's freaking cool for like an 88. Oh my gosh. And they look awesome. And it's like a really cool middle ground, too, because at the time, maybe a couple of Japanese cars are all-wheel drive, you know, but they're like really lightweight, tinny, you know, and the BMWs were just, everything feels really long-term and really built in those cars. That's always kind of been my draw to BMW in general. Like, when you close the door, it has a certain type of... It's got sound. Yep. Yeah. You know, everything just feels very mechanical and you know it is closed completely sir a lot of cars just don't do that a lot of cars are very hollow feeling less substantial because even like my e36 it it had some plasticky parts to it and stuff like that but like you said it when the door closed it was like a real nice thud it wasn't super loud when you're driving they did a great job making it feel very solid that was even like the baseline cheapest <laughs> BMW you could get at the time was the TI, the compact hatchback. I really like them. And then nowadays it's like you're driving in freaking USS Enterprise. I mean, they have all these screens and everything all over the place and they're pretty nuts. So Nate, you said you're looking at different models, but you didn't really talk about gears. Let's say you're window shopping and I don't know what budget you're even basketing. But, you know, let's say you're window shopping, you have like 25 grand. I think that covers a lot of stuff that's not brand, brand new. We can go bigger budget, I guess, but I'm thinking like Hyundai money, right? <laughs> well, so, okay, the site that I looked at, it's on bmwblog.com. Because I was just kind of curious. I'm like, I obviously don't know a lot about BMWs. And I'm just kind of like, what would be a good one for somebody to buy, you know, if they were just getting into BMW? And so this is more geared towards first-time drivers, so like teenagers. So it's talking like number five is the three series, E36. That's what you had, right, Jeff? Yes. So it's talking about, and it gives an average cost at the end. It says two to 5,000 for that. Then it goes E39, five series. So I scrolled on down, kind of scrolled down. And so the second one was the E38, seven series. The seven series, like I mentioned before, it's kind of always had a special place in my heart. I think there was somebody who, like a parent at my old high school, 
I swear they had like a seven series or it might've even been an eight series. I don't know. It was a huge BMW. I think it was a seven because the eight looks like yeah. it's just a, that's yeah, just eight, a, it is pretty sporty. Eight is a coupe. Yeah. It's a two seater wedge. The seven was a sedan. So yes. that's, that's what they had. And like, I was always kind of enamored with it. And I was like, man, that is cool. So when I saw that on this website, I was like, heck yeah, that sounds like right up my alley. So that would be, that's 94 to 01. They're saying the average price is three to $7,000 for that. Yeah, they're super sexy car. What I liked about that series was the shape of the car is a very BMW, but it was like an elongated BMW. But I love like the wheel and tire packages that they have with them. It wasn't what you would see like on a luxury. Like you, you want to see a Cadillac or something like that. It was very aggressive, you know, so you, it felt like it was a luxury car, but it almost had like a muscle car kind of a feel to it you know, with the wheels and tires and stuff that they came with it. But you could get those in a six-speed manual transmission. Like, dude, imagine that. Man. Cruising down the road, talking on your car phone. <laughs> Hold on, Popping got to shift. A tape. <laughs> Popping in some Duran Duran, I don't know. Right, they actually had a navigation system in those and everything. Dude, I saw a picture of that, that nav system. Yeah. It's such a tiny little screen, but I'm right. like, that's so cool, though. I really wish car manufacturers would come back to it just like that high gloss wood. I still love that to this day. Now, if I could find one of these with that like red leather interior. Oh, yes. Whoa. I would have to just buy That's it right good on it is good on anywhere. Yeah. Red leather. Oh, any man. of those like really like just in your face kind of colored leather interiors. Something that's different from your standard like gray or black i mean i want like the dark brown or i want the blue or the red or something like that just a little extra pop i had an 86 rx7 and i drove it over to my friend shauna's house and her dad came out and checked it out it had a like a velour red interior and he goes (laughs) daddy daddy loves the red interior (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's great and it does it just pops uh, right like when you get out of the car that color pop like most door panels now right are black, that's right that's you know, right or really kind of oh, basic in a, in a way oh yeah i love those bright just in your face interior they need to go back to that man i don't know everything's just black that's kind of happened on the outside of cars too i feel like everything has turned into like these darker shades of color if they're colored all and then a lot of things are just black or silver or white. Like finding my car, it's red, and finding it in a parking lot is so easy. Everything else is just doesn't stand out. Yeah, my car is blends right in. <laughs> Might as well paint it at camouflage. <laughs> so I think I would want to go for part of me feels like if I were to try and be like practical and you know making good decisions, you know, like three series, it's like you can't go wrong with that. But like the seven, I feel would be like where I'd really want to go. Yeah. And like year wise, what are you thinking? Well, so this E38 was 94 to 01. That is, I mean, that's a good, that's a good, that's a pretty good range. Yeah. The number one car on that website was the E46 three series, which is newer. Yeah. Is that the next one after yours, Jeff? 97 to 06. Correct. So, like, yep. Yeah. I saw that and I saw the year range and I'm like, yeah, I, I think like late 90s, early 2000s would probably be 
where I'd want to go. Yeah. I'm kind of further out on the end of the, of the stick, you know, and I guess partly because I've experienced, you know, the generation we're talking about so much and I know it. And I've always really coveted like the old 2002 first BMW that really stood out to me anyway. But if I had to spend the money right now, like the 2002 would be like a car I'd it'd have to sit in the garage, right? I'm not going to daily that. It's going to be something that's a tinker toy. But I think the one series right now is the car to own. I think it's kind of like the similar size to the older three series, like Jeff, the generation you had. It reminds me more of the E30, you know, the 80s size. And But they're like shoehorning their twin turbo pieces, like inline and V6s in there. And they're just such a quiet sleeper of a car. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Those look, man, those one series... Those are really sweet. I see that they have like a, you know, the clown shoe or the, you know, the kind of wagon. Oh my god! I'm like, I saw one of those. We can't talk about <laughs> I saw one of those here in Lincoln by my office building. And yeah. every time I'd walk by it, I'd just be like, man, that thing is cool. Dude, I love them. I love them. Yes. You know, and that would kind of fit in with my current car situation, you know, mm-hmm. with, the, with the Elantra GT. So, I mean... Those, you can't go wrong with those hatchbacks no, either. You can't. So. I mean, I remember when they first came out and I was like, whoa, that's kind of goofy. It looks like it's going to like pop a wheelie. So much going on in the rear end of that thing, you know, but I love, I mean, it's still a Z3. It's still sporty and fun and, but it's practical, you know, like you can put some groceries in the back, but man, those are, yeah, I love the clown shoes, man. They got those like super sick yes. wide body flares and are just punched out in all dimensions. That's a really kind of a cool skunk yeah, works car. Yeah. You know, that's one that really was, you know, it was not a boardroom decision. It was a backroom decision. And so they make a clown shoe that's non-M. I think the majority I've ever seen are the M. That's the like just the Haas, Boss Haas. But the non-wide body M is like the rarer of the two. And I even kind of have like coveted trying to find one of those instead of the wide body. But yeah, then you look at the wide body and you're like, never mind. <laughs> it's just so it's just so sensual, you know, the way it, it curves around the wheel wells and yeah. Well, I, I get you trying to find the more rare of the options, but dude, the M series clown shoe is freaking so cool. But see now, okay, so I'm sure you guys know where I'm gonna go. If I was to pick what year range, it's definitely in the E36, but I would end up getting the M3. Like a 95 M3 is my favorite BMW to this day. I think that's the pinnacle for me. Everything that came after it is not as cool. Everything that came before it was leading up to it. And that's it's tough for me because I love the E30 as well, but I think the E36, 95, M3 is to me the perfect BMW car because it has the just all the like quintessential things that made BMW what it was. And I love the quad headlights. I love obviously the BMW front grille. The wheel packages on those things were freaking so perfect. The interior was so perfect. They had those Vader seats in them and they just they just drove crazy nice. And they just had such a cool sound to them, man. Such a cool sound. There's still that inline six instead of, you know, the first gens that had the four banger and then later even moving to like the V8s and, you know, really kind of moving away from the long-term DNA. Yeah, that's a great car. Yeah, and I know like the M5 is probably 
you know, it, it would beat it in a race and stuff like that. But to me, it just, the M3 just looked so good. Just looks so good. It looks so much better. It does. That's a pretty, pretty timeless look. You nailed it right there, Nate. That's the word, timeless. Because, again, E30s or like the 2002, stuff like that. Like, you know the era it's in and stuff. And they're cool because they're like old school or rad or however you want to put it. It captures a moment. And then, like, with these E36s and stuff, it's like, you can't really tell it's like a 90s. I mean, some parts you kind of can. But the thing is, like, when you look at it, you're just like, you don't really care what the year is. You know what I mean? It's like, that is the bmw that's the way i look at it it's like that is the bmw yeah it's a go-to you know when you think of like if i say those letters that pops into my mind that generation of bmw and then that one being sort of the ultimate yep for sure we were asking like what we were talking about like what our ultimate bmw would be but it's like you show me a picture of a different bmw model i'm like I'm like, okay, I changed my mind. I want that one. It's like, nope, I want this one. No, nope, yep. I want that nope, one. I want that one. Nope. Yeah. You know, Julian, you mentioned, you know, the 2002 and, you know, that's like OG stuff. But even that, that is iconic. Yeah. Like. It is. Just feels and, good, man. I mean, that's another <laughs> point. There, there are just tons of iconic yeah. BMWs. I mean, from lots of different directions. I think, I don't know, you know, what year they started making art cars but those are all amazing there's the like old school csl 3.0 do you guys know what i'm no, talking about i don't about? think so oh my gosh so the 70s bmw 3.0 csl is basically like this crazy batmobile and it had like these winglets on the front and on the top and on the i mean it's it's insane Dude, that's aggressive oh my lord i 70s. like it so much See again, there we go. <laughs> I want to do a new one. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, it has the kidney grill, the quad headlights. Yeah, it's got the iconic um, features. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That long hood with the muscle bump yep. ridge down the center line. You know, obviously it's a little crazy. You know, a, a base 3.0 CSL is not nearly as um, insane right. as the Batmobile. It kind of reminds me of the Corvair, but like a thousand times better. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's got like a kind of a similar body shape to the Corvair, but it, they're just like, no, this is what you meant to do. And they're like, ah, oh, damn it. Yep. <laughs> Almost had it. Chevy's like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> Are those dual cigarette lighters? His and hers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know. I can't, it could just be a knob. I, I can't tell. It's, not, it's right. It's right behind no, the shifter. I like what you're, I like your idea better it, it yeah it probably is knobs but i love that <laughs> idea that would be so classic to the 70s yes it totally it's would like be climate cur- like the mo- like the old school version of modern zone climate control <laughs> <laughs> would you push it my cigarette lighter yes thank you yes thanks dear yes well guys i think you know obviously we could talk about this stuff forever let's do, do we want to okay <laughs> Come along for the ride. We talk for 24 hours about the BMW. We're gonna set the we're gonna set a Guinness World Record longest That's consecutive right. podcast. <laughs> okay, so we're here to talk about. 2G, 
second gen Camaro, Chevrolet Camaro, which just so happens to be one of my favorite generations of the Camaro. And I have many memories of this Camaro. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about those memories, Jeff. <laughs> I have a lot of memories. One of my best friends in high school, he had a 78. We'll go way back. So when he was 14, his dad and his uncle found this 78 Camaro in a junkyard and brought it home on a flatbed. They restored this thing from the ground up. I mean, this thing was garbage and restored it from the ground up. And then since he was 14, 15, 16 at the time or whatever, when they were building it, his dad was very smart and was like, well, I'm not going to put a V8 in it. I'm going to put a V6 250 in it just to kind of make sure he doesn't do anything stupid. This thing was, I don't remember the exact name of the colors or whatever, but it was like this really, really pretty blue. And then it had these dark blue, the quintessential like racing stripes with the pinstripes around the racing stripes on it. Then he had the same color of mag wheels with the beauty rims and like the D slot or whatever with the, there's like beauty rims on the D slots and then beauty rims around the wheel as well. But the actual wheel color was the same color as the car. And it was super cool and it had like light gray interior and everything, but it wasn't very fast. It just had a 250, you know, V6 in it. Then on his 18th birthday, his dad was like, Hey, what do you want for your birthday? He's like, I want a V8. He's like, okay, let's do it. So him and his uncle and his dad all tore the motor out and they ended up putting in a, a 350. Now, I could be wrong because this is a long time ago. Yeah, they did some stuff too. I can't remember. I don't want to tell something that wasn't true. But all I know is like they put a noisy gear drive on this thing and they did all sorts of stuff to this motor. This thing was crazy powerful and it had a, you know, automatic transmission with a Hurst shifter in it and stuff. Shift kit. I'd have a shift kit in it. So it would just, when you're going through the gears on the automatic, it would just like pop. I mean, it would like jerk you so hard. <laughs> and, and so it actually, you know, it squawked the tires and stuff like going through the gears. It was in, insane. But at the time, that car was one of the fastest cars I'd ever driven in. And I think we got it up to like 135 miles an hour or something like that. Like the second night he had the motor in it, huh. which you should not be doing. Wow. But breaking um, period. No, what? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, that was, that was like, yeah, breaking period. That was the first car I ever like experienced. Hey, I know this car very well. Cause he was my best friend. You know, we drove around all the time in his Camaro when he had that V6 in it. A few weeks goes by and all of a sudden he's got it with this big old V8 and it. it's just so loud with that noisy gear drive and all this other stuff and the exhaust and everything. And so he's like, let's go, let's go drive it around, you know, let's break it in and stuff. We're like, okay. And so we took it out and he had the hood off. And so it's just all chrome and everything. And this thing just sounded so freaking gnarly. But as you do with a new, a new motor and stuff like that, you tend to have problems and stuff. So for whatever reason, that first day, you know, it just had all this raw power, but it just kept like dying on him. And he's like, what the heck's going on? You know, and, and but it'd start right up. And finally, he was like, I'm just taking it home. It's kind of pissing me off. So I was like, okay. So then the next day, he calls me up. He's like, hey, it's running great now. I'm like, well, what'd you do? He's like, I put the hood on. <laughs> <laughs> it was getting too much air and it was choking <laughs> it out. So, but oh, yeah, nice. he had the hood on it and then it drove perfectly fine. So then he decided to get it repainted. And then he painted it this deep, like midnight blue with metallic flake in it. And then he had these 
awesome. The same kind of racing stripes with the pinstriper on the edges, pearl white racing stripes on it. And then he changed the rims on it and everything. But that thing, gosh, it was such a cool car. I mean, again, I got stories and stories for days with that thing, but I've never wanted a muscle car that bad <laughs> as I did when, when he had that thing. But again, we did everything together. So I was like, well, I guess I don't have to own my own. I'll just go with them everywhere. <laughs> but the jerk never let me drive it. So never, but oh. never, never. At least yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember driving it, but man, it was a cool car. Cool story. As like I said, he got that when he was 14 and he is now 40. He'll be 44 this April. And so he's had that car for 30 years. He still has it. It's not drivable right now. He took it apart right after college. He got it all tubbed out and stuff and put the racing slicks on the back and everything in a roll cage inside and everything. And I believe he got a 502 big block from like an old farm truck and he was putting that in, but it just got to a point where life took over. So he still has it. Unfortunately, it's not finished, you know, and it's all like primer and everything right now. But one of these days, he said he's going to get back under it and get it growing again. So I hope so. Well, when he does, better make him bring it to your house. Right. Yeah. yeah, so I, was like, sure. I, just, so I told him, I said, I get, I, get first, I get first cruise around the square <laughs> in it. So in my hometown, we had what we called it the square. And it was like probably like a mile each direction. We would just cruise all night long. Like we'd get out at like 6 p.m. and we just cruise till like 11 o'clock at night and just seeing everybody and people be racing and stuff. And you just think of like days and confused, you know, like everybody's out there with their hot totally. rods and stuff. That's totally what we had going on. It was so you much fun. You guys are Spicoli. Yep. In the stolen principal's car. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and we had like CB radios. We didn't have cell phones yet. We had CBs and stuff. And we were <laughs> talking to each other all night and stuff and in each other's cars and just raising hell, man. It was so much fun. Yeah, man, I I couldn't tell you how many thousands of miles we put on that car, you know, cruising the square, and then my cars as well, you know. But but uh, man, what a what a cool car! I just loved the fiberglass that they used on that thing, and just the body shape of that thing is just so it's unreplicated, you know. Besides maybe the Trans Am, obviously, but obviously it makes sense because the same thing. But but I'm just saying they kind of left it out there, and that was it, you know, and. I hope, which they probably will never do, but I hope that since the new Camaro came out, they replicated or based off of like the 67. I wish they would kind of go after the second gen and try to do another generation of the Camaro based off of the second gen. So I don't know how they would do it, but man, it would be cool. Anyways, I feel know. like I'm rambling. I you just really love that car. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot I like about it, but there's something about the front end that never just felt like really like pulled me in there's so much depth and like change in the topography i just don't get it well you can get off the show i'm <laughs> no, just joking the rest of the car i mean i'm a you know i'm a i prefer the firebird version yeah you know and and i can see it in different colors different ways right yeah and like the rest of it i'm totally behind it almost reminds me of like a Studebaker Avanti or something, yeah. you know, where they're, you know, it's a little bit wilder. Yeah. And they also kind of, they changed the front end a bunch. They did. They, they, did. Yeah. they had like five different series of it, you know, so yeah. like yeah. they had the split bumper and then all the way to like yeah. the pure fiberglass, you know. Yeah. I don't like the split bumper as much. Okay. I like that bigger opening in the front. Otherwise, there's kind of just a lot going on. Yeah. And 
again, it's something where like in pictures is different than in person. And I know the Trans Am exists and I love that front end so much. And it's so much cleaner to me. That's like where my mind goes. I'm like, man, that's that's what I'd end up wanting is the Pontiac instead. No, I get you there. The Trans Am is definitely more iconic. You know, you see the Camaro in that, you know, it's a Camaro, you know, but like there's no movies really or anything like that. And then you got Burt Reynolds, you know, slapping around a Trans Am and stuff for like three or four movies. You know, I mean, you're going to love that car, you know, but and plus it was really cool looking. Don't get me wrong. But again, I I go off of I just have so many memories, you know, it's like my heart's with that car. Definitely. I would choose that car over a Trans Am probably, you know, which is hard to even think. But but I would now I I have zero experience with this generation. So like kind of like Julian was saying, like, I'm just kind of going off pictures. And I like that first front end, that big grill on the front. And then it just got yeah, kind of weird. The like, split nose. Yeah, it got kind of weird around like like 75 yeah and it stayed where it was like all fiberglass yeah and, you know? and it's so you're like polar opposite than julian because he's saying he likes the, more of the fiberglass version less of the split nose then like when you hit 79 80 yeah. 81 right before they went to the third gen i kind of like that again so what's cool about it is is that those noses are interchangeable and then so like you know, my buddy, he had the 78, so it had the pure fiberglass front end on it. But right now, he swapped it out with the split nose. You know, so it's still a 78, but it looks like it's like a, you know, like a 73 or something like that. And I'm sure your buddy, if he was on the show right now, he'd say, well, don't worry about it. You're never going to see the front end. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All you'll see is the back. <laughs> well, it's funny because, okay, I got to bring up a story then because he, he's talking through you, talking crap to I, me. Yeah, I've right. channeled him. That's right. Yeah. You channeled him. So, like, what's funny Got is. Luigi board out. Right. So, what's funny is, is that I actually, I raced him with my 87 Dodge Shadow automatic 2.2 liter turbo, you know, which is like nothing to brag about whatsoever. So, I took him out and I was like. He's probably going to smoke me, but I just want to see what this thing will do. And I actually beat him with that thing. So, <laughs> whoa! So I was like rubbing that in his face for a long time <laughs> until he put that oh, man. until he put that V eight in, and then there's no way I could touch him. <laughs> there are a lot of things that they pull through the generations of Camaros too. Like I love the slot lights, you know, and that kind of stays with it. They still kind of have that today, and the big you know, single headlights on the outside with the two smaller, I guess they're fog lights in the inset in the middle. They're still doing that now, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So there's definitely parts that they've carried along, you know, which is really, really cool. Man, some of these colors though, like totally like products of their time. Yes. The kind Mm -hmm. of bronzy brown, like (laughs) almost like a poop. Poop brown, almost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like doo doo gold. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's totally that era right there. Yep. My brother's neighbor had one that it was like a darker brown, and it. I think I'm trying to remember what motor it had in it. Either way, yeah, I think it had a 305 in it, but it had a three speed in it and stuff, and it was a pretty tough Camaro. I was like, man, that's that's all right, but so he had it for sale, and I was thinking about getting it, but. They only had the 305 or whatever, so I was like, eh. You know, that's kind of the saddest part, I think, about this generation of Camaro is just it got regulated really badly for a decade. 
the 81, which would be my birth year, is like 115, 120 horsepower. And man, right? That's a low point. You know, they started in like the 350, 375 horse in the early models. And yeesh, yes, you know, yeah, it's kind of sad. I mean, it's not a lightweight car. I haven't driven the later model or really any of them. So I had a friend named Shauna. She had one of these. And in all the time I knew her, it never moved. At one point, we did try and like, this was a learning experience for me. So it's the first car I ever attempted to jack up to change a wheel. Okay. But I had never jacked up a car before, and I didn't understand that jack points were a thing. <laughs> oh, no. And oh, no. this car... Basically, I'm not even sure that I think it might have even been like frame rail, you know, yeah. inset way in. And so I tried to jack it like on the pinch weld under the door and I damaged oh, it. Oh, no. And I live with that shame until this day. Yeah, it's a sad moment in my history, but a lesson learned. But you said the car never moved anyway, right? So, I mean, fair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's but funny. temper your uh, guilt a little. I, it yeah. wasn't running, right? No. Still, though, I feel like that was like the nail in the coffin, you know, in a sense. Like, okay, here's this thing that has this potential. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Julian, Julian ruined it for me. <laughs> she ended up with a Volkswagen Beetle for a while, like an old mm-hmm. school Beetle for a while. And her dad is actually the guy who really liked red interiors. Oh, okay. Just a good dude. With good kind of classic car taste. I would be remiss if we didn't also bring up probably the most famous Camaro of this generation that's out there right now. And you guys probably don't actually watch the show, or maybe you do, but I do. But I'm a fan of watching Street Outlaws. So Jerry Johnston, he goes by Monza on the show. So he's got a split bumper Z28 Camaro on there. And that thing is freaking gnarly. It was a nitrous car for quite a long time but just recently he turned it over to twin turbos is that it in the the, and the picture you yeah, shared with us there that's it in the picture yeah <sighs> wow mm-hmm. if you don't watch that show you should watch the show. it's a little cheesy i mean they they added drama to it and whatnot you know but the actual cars themselves are actually pretty freaking cool his car for sure is probably my favorite car on, on the show without a doubt it's gorgeous his tires are like the size of a football field yeah, rear tires. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty close to just being one large tire in the back. <laughs> yeah, yep. Is there a point where you do that, like where you have a roller tire? That's right. Back? Just one. <laughs> like oh my gosh. Flintstone. I don't even know how that would work. It'd be great. <laughs> Can't lose traction if it's all traction. That's right. Yeah, it's all the traction. <laughs> Man, how do we make that happen? I don't know. We should. Let's try it. That's the million dollar idea right it. there. <laughs> yeah, just turn like a bulldozer into a or a, a street roller <laughs> thing into like a hot rod. You'd have to have like some funky like power going from the outside of the wheels to yeah, the inside. I guess somehow, yeah, maybe. how would that work? I mean, that could be pretty. You'd have to have know, some gap in it. between to fit drive shaft in there, right? Yeah, somehow. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, just do just it on the outside. Somehow work it out where it's driven from the outside edge and make the wheel. There you go. 
solving the just world make problems, it like boys. make it like inside out boy you know or it goes over the yeah. swing set so the car is just is just inside out yeah <laughs> so i have to go i have to go back i misspoke i have to go back it was actually his car was a 250 inline six i thought it was a v6 so it, it was a straight okay. six so man i was wrong but yeah they had a whole slew of available motors for this generation of camaros at a 229, a 230, a 250, a 305, 350, the L65, 350, the LM1, and then obviously the LT1. And then they had a L82, 350. And then they had the 396 and then the 400. How so? How many different combinations can you have? Like, I wonder what the, pro- which one's what the, the production one, numbers right? which were one's good one? for each of these engines you know yeah it's like well we'll make three of these and we'll make a thousand of these and right well again you got to think i mean they came with all sorts of different packages right so they had you know like an rs they had the z28 you know just all these different versions of the camaro from like 70 through 81 so 11 years and they had all sorts of different kinds of body types so, yeah, they're going to throw all sorts, you know, and just through the years, they're like, okay, we need more muscle. We need more power. And this was the last, the last years of, of the muscle car. And so they're doing whatever they could to kind of, you know, keep it alive. So, yeah, obviously as time went on, you know, they had to up all that. But, yeah, they're still offering the, even in 80, they had the 229, you know, cubic inch V6. 120 horsepower v8 became an option in the base rs and berlinetta model so can you imagine that you have a v8 but it's only 120 horse (laughs) (laughs) it's like what's the point that's why people started buying volvos that's right but that's the you know when the gas years and stuff were going stupid so yeah and of course you know like any of these pony cars there's like the rental fleet version so they have some real basic stuff out there. You know, I wonder how far they could really get away with because of the choke down. That's also probably why there's such a massive aftermarket. You know, for a long time, these were the cars that I've always imagined having. Like, if you have one of these, you have like the Summit or like a Jags catalog or both. Oh, yeah. And they're like, they're like... <laughs> on the dash yes and like every day you're like thumbing through <laughs> looking at carbs or looking at cans yeah. or looking at like heads or just all these other pieces that enhance the breathing and like got around the regulated power i can't really think of another car like that uh maybe a 60s mustang yeah yeah absolutely yeah and kind of the same idea right like there yep. there's the secretary car version of it yep. and there's the the hypo and you know the geez the poor mustang suffered through the 70s too it's not like anybody was like nobody um, was exempt from really get around it no no but i will say though i'm probably an anomaly like those 70s boss mustangs dude those things are tough you know (laughs) those things are pretty tough i'd take one of those over like a 65 oh yeah you know those things are all day gnarly they're probably two thousand pounds heavier but still they're freaking cool though (laughs) and again they're like at the peak before everything really starts to just get kind of crushed right oh yeah yeah without a doubt yeah and then they went with the mustang mustang 2 and just everything that's such a weird 
funky car too. It is. There's a Mustang too that I used to drive past every day. And it kind of, you know, similar, I think, in terms of like the design changes. Like, let's be fair. It's the 70s. Right. <laughs> Pants are flared. Everything Everything is, you know, yeah, hair is big, but like not 80s big. It's like just fluffy. Yeah. It's all yeah, just, there's, it's just soft and got that, that glow. Well, I mean, the perfect movie to think about in that, again, you know, I already referenced it was Days and Confused. That movie is so good at epitomizing, you know, so much of that era. And then, of course, the cars, you know, all those cars in that movie were just gorgeous. You know, even the C70 pickup that they had, you know, and oh, man, I've seen that movie 10,000 times a bit. Ben Affleck's first movie. Yeah, he was the bully. I remember so, that. And now you know. <laughs> <laughs> so off topic, but as soon as you guys started, we started talking about like Mustangs of that era. The first thing I looked for was Mustang 2. And I'm like, I would I would take one of those choked off and, and sure. weird looking and, and everything. But I'm like, I kind of like it. It's, I kind of like it. Well, I mean, again, I, uh, you know, I kind of like the Pinto a little bit and I can see it because it's very similar to the Mustang 2. I will say the Mustang 2 got a really bad rap for sure. I personally am not a huge fan of it or whatever, but if I see a guy that's got one out today, I always go and talk to him because I'm like that dude right there has got a lot of character and they, they always <laughs> got stories for days about yep. it. And, you know, they kept it alive and it was really hard to keep it alive and stuff. And, you know, it's a head turner for probably all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, exactly. uh, but that's, what's cool about it. And, you know, it's like you pick that to keep alive. Good for you, man. You know, <laughs> totally. so yeah. Something that's kind of interesting. I just noticed is that, so I was going to talk about the gremlin because I feel like it's my pick of the litter. I'm a hatchback guy, right? Yep. So if it's me in the 70s. That's Wayne's World's you know, car, gonna, right? Didn't, didn't he <laughs> drive one of those? Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw that in the loop. But I noticed like the headlight situation in the 70s. Two big old headlights on the outside. Two signal slash whatever lights in the grill. And like all three of those cars have that. So... I feel like that's probably not Chevrolet's fault. No. Like an you know, industry probably, industry thing kind of. Yeah. 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 Regulatory. Well, and that and everybody was just everybody hurting financially with. then. Everybody was. And so it's like they had to like keep the price down of everything so far down. So they're just using really cheap plastic parts, not putting a ton of design into it. You know, just making sure, like, hey, this is kind of cool, I guess, to put out. Let's just get it out there and see if people buy it. All right, cool. They're buying it. Cool. Let's move on. There's a big period in the 70s and 80s and stuff where just people weren't caring, you know, especially when, like, the Honda Civic came in and just started blowing away the United States, you know, like, nobody knew how to handle that. They're like, what do we do? This ugly little car is outselling the crap out of everything. Like, what do we do? I guess we have to build an ugly little car, you know, so they didn't know how to handle it. And so that's what everybody started doing and they just couldn't do it. But it's like nobody was buying the Honda Civic for their looks. You know, they weren't trying to pick up women with it or something like that or race it or anything like that. It was there for its purpose. It was super practical and 
affordable and got amazing gas mileage and it got from here and there and you know it is reliable and so it just really changed it really turned the automobile industry on its head it it shook detroit you know which is insane to think about and that gremlin that is such a weird and cool looking car it's my mom's favorite just that out there. <laughs> is it that's funny <laughs> yeah she always wanted a lime green gremlin it's just so that's like funny. it's like they chopped off a big chunk of the rear just like just the right. angle just <laughs> sliced it right off but it, it looks good i mean i like it like they were drawing the car and they just stopped what i think is funny is like you have like an amc javelin and you're just like oh you just like drool when you see it and then you're like here comes this little brother <laughs> The grandma pulls up and you're like, whoa, what? Hey, big brother. <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh. And then the javelin's like, please don't don't associate with me. <laughs> Get out of here, dork. Yes. <laughs> so talking about that Honda Civic, it kind of hits, I don't know when they brought them to the US, but it's in that same generation. It also has the big lights on the outside and then the grill. But we had one of those. It was like a beach car that my uncle had. It was basically just all rust. I mean, it lived at the beach, and so it just got exposed to that constantly. But man, what a freaking cool little car, you know? And pint size, I mean, just really, really mini. And I can kind of see like how it just took over the market in a way because it just didn't, A, cost a whole lot. But there's just like no pretense there. It's like, ah, do you need to arrive at a destination? (laughs) Right. Good. We'll get you there. Do you want to travel inside of metal to a place? (laughs) We have you covered. Do doors and wheels excite you? That's right. Good. We have doors and wheels. That's right. We did a while back. We did talk about, I thought we did. Maybe it wasn't on an episode, but we did talk about the AMC Gremlin concept car. Yep. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. That thing is so freaking gnarly. Like I'd buy that in a heartbeat. It's obviously not real, but <laughs> yeah, man, that's sexy. I would, I'd take it. Gosh, dang. I like, I, I mean, really, I like anything that's a two door hatchback. Yeah. I'm, I'm really like, give me all that utility in a small package. I don't care what engine is in it at that point yep. because it just, you know, looks good. And- Brother, I'm with you. I've had so many hatchbacks. It's not even funny. Like, just going through the line, my first car was an 81 Escort. Ugh, horrible car. <laughs> my my second car was, it was kind of sort of a hatchback. It was technically a lift gate, but that was the Dodge Shadow. But it still, it opened like a hatch. It looked like it had a trunk, but it opened like a hatch. And my third car was my Shelby, which is essentially a Dodge Shadow. And then my fourth car was my 318 Ti. And that's why I got it, because it was a hatch version of the Beamer. I was like, sweet. And then... When I got rid of that, I got an XJ Cherokee, which is kind of a hatchback, you know, four-wheel drive hatchback. After that, I got uh, HHR, which again is kind of a hatchback. And it was like all these vehicles I had always had a rear wiper on them. And so if I drive a car that doesn't have a rear wiper on it now, I'm like, what, what are you thinking? <laughs> How come there's no wiper on it? <laughs> like, I totally get that. Like, so going between my Elantra and the RX-8, like if it's raining, if I'm in the RX-8, I'm like, man, I really wish I could just flip a wiper on to clear yeah. out this window. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah what, 
You don't know no, what man. you got till it's, it's gone. gone. <laughs> That's right, man. Speaking of which, I had a rear wiper on my Audi until recently. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, did you delete it or did it or did it yeet did it delete itself? itself? <laughs> it, it deleted itself. <laughs> yeet. Oh no. <laughs> Speaking of reliable German vehicles, I think that what happened, so we had a snow day a couple weeks back and I remember my kid and I were going around my car getting big scoops of uh, snow off of it to make snowballs. And I'm pretty sure he scooped a bunch off the back and maybe that did a little initial damage. And, you know, I was driving down the street and I flipped the switch and I just see like, I see it sort of like flip up and then do like this, (laughs) this like flip in itself. And then go back once, and then I see it flip in itself, and then I go back once, and then I just see nothing. <laughs> and then it was gone. And I'm totally not used to it yet. This has been recent enough that I, you know, I haven't like fully adjusted. So today it was really rainy. Yeah. I flipped the button, and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's weird. Oh yeah, another <laughs> happens. Oh, oh man. And then I got in it. Like had to make a stop, and I got out, and I got back in it. I just kept hearing this little. Motor noise, yeah. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> 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 and I'm like, what is that? Oh my god, what's going on? I realized I'd left it on, you know. Just, <laughs> anyway, there's a new one in the mail, but man, How much, oh, is that man. a it's what is a that feature. an expensive fix or eBay hooked me up, uh, you know, 40 bucks. Oh, okay, basically. okay, that's not really bad. not a bad deal, and that actually is kind of good, it includes the whole armature and the blade part yeah. and the armature has like little squirt nozzles and stuff so we'll see what i get it might be the type of thing where it shows up and like i inflate it with air like one of those couches yeah. you used to get when you were in college like <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> and you stick it on you know hopefully not you know sometimes ebay is kind of a crapshoot you can either yeah. get really good remakes or you can get some stuff that's kind of in the middle but you know yeah, we will see. I feel like I'm not wasting my money. So, so with my rear wiper on the Elantra, I feel like the lowest speed is not low enough. <laughs> I never leave it on because it's it's just wiping too frequently. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. and it's making mm-hmm. a bunch of noise. Yeah, and, so I'm just yeah, like I do the same thing. So yeah, I always just like I, I wait thing. for it to get you know bad enough, and then I I flip it on once and turn it off. Yeah. Like I couldn't imagine yeah. leaving it on high and just be like. <laughs> See, if I was ever to design a car, I would actually on the back of the steering wheel, like where paddles would be or something like that, I would actually put a button back there for the rear wiper, mm. you know, just oh, just man. just to touch it, just to there have it go. go once, there you, go. you know, because yeah. I hate I do the same thing. If I have mine on, it's the same thing. It, yeah. It's too it's too much. It's too dang fast, you know? man. Yeah. It is too dang fast. It's like they forget that you're driving yeah. one direction Correct. and the rain accumulates. Exactly. Right. It's like you're end. not getting that much water yeah. on the rear window. Like, yeah, if you the, only, driving the only backwards. time. See, yeah. that's a good point. So the only time I've ever had had it on and kept it on is when it's like a complete downpour and you're on the highway. Mm. But you never turn yeah. on high. I've never in all my cars. I've never turned it on high. You know, it's always been yeah. on low and it's been plenty in a downpour on the highway. So I do the same thing. I just reach over and turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, you know, when you need it. So I would put a button on the back of the steering wheel. So you wouldn't have to do that. I like that. I like that yeah. idea. Yeah, I like that too. I like that for the front wipers too. Oh, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I do the same yeah. thing too. Oh, speaking of which, that's one feature that I think is kind of cool with my Lincoln, but I kind of mm-hmm. hate it all the same is that it's got automatic wipers on the front. Yeah. And oh, so if it recognizes yeah. water, they automatically come on and stuff, which is a cool feature. Don't get me wrong. But I forget that I have it on sometimes. And then I'll go through the mm-hmm. car wash and it scares the bejesus <laughs> out of me, you know, or the worst is when I go to like scrape the bugs off like a the gas station or whatever. I like go over and get the washer arm and I'm like, dude, dude, all of a sudden it like senses there's water and all of a sudden the wipers come up. I'm like, oh my no. God, but it kills me, you know, like, ah. so yeah, it's funny. Oh man. Mine are kind of like that, but they will just do it. There's no way to disable it. Yeah. But they don't do it much. It'll do it like once. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> like okay. Oh, hey. Just like, what was, the, what was the point <laughs> of that? <laughs> it's more like a reminder than anything. Yeah. Like, it's like, like by hey, the way, you, know, you might want to turn these are the over wipers here. on. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Get do it for that, you once. Dude. Now you're on your <laughs> own. Right. So you can't turn that off, though? No. Really? Or See, maybe I, maybe I need to educate myself. I'm sure yeah. that somebody listening right now is like, you're crazy. Like, There's dude, a button on the back this, of the steering wheel. <laughs> There's this fuse that like, you pull. Everybody's like, dude, those buttons have been on the back of the steering wheel for like 85 to do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, oh, crap. So speaking of buttons on the back of the steering wheel, this is something that maybe other companies do it. But when I discovered it, I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. So Chrysler, like Chrysler and Dodge, I don't know if Jeep does it. But they have like volume buttons and like, you know, the change track or change station buttons on the back. Like, like you're saying where those paddles would be, like they have those buttons on the back of the steering wheel instead of on the front. Yeah. It's like, that's really cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. My minivan, we had a, I forget what year it was, 2004 Grand Caravan. And it had volume buttons and it had channel buttons on the back of the steering yeah, wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Like all, all yeah. the. All the minivans, like my Charger yep. had it. Yep. Um, I'm sure, you know, 300s, other a good idea. vehicles have that. Throw the wiper on there, too. Here is the button that I want. And why, I don't want to swear, but why the F <laughs> do they not do this? Okay, so there's always a seek button on the stereo, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, it's so rare to find a stereo that has a seek button that just doesn't go to the next programmed station that you put in i hate having to reach over to the stereo to hit seek to go to the next station that it can find and that's all i do when i'm driving around and stuff if i'm not listening to a podcast or whatever i just hit that seek button to find like the next channel then the next channel next channel like i don't want to go to the next program channel f that who cares like i want to see you know so why can't they have a seek button that just scans or it's a scan button i guess maybe i don't know why can't they put that on the steering wheel because like i drive all the time with my freaking hand over on the stereo and i'm just like come on Hello, Ford, somebody do that. I feel like mine does that. I guess I got to go it European. Doesn't do your, it doesn't do your channel <laughs> thing. Yeah, it should. Probably didn't want to pay some American company to do the channel to channel thing. So they did it right. a different way. And nobody told you, Jeff. Yeah, evidently. Go figure. I guess I got to get an Audi. So what annoys me about that scan, it finally hits on a station. You're like, yeah, I like that. I like that song. And then. Right as you're getting into it, it goes to the next station. Yeah. It's just a little too quick. It's just like, whoop, whoop, whoop. It's like, give me a chance here. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's just enough time that by the time you would go to hit the button 
to get to and keep stay it. There. Yeah, to stay there. Right. It's off. Yeah, I hate Absolutely. that. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, no. No. Sorry. And you can try to go back and it goes back like three stations. Like, <laughs> God, God, God. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah. But eight track in. Dang it. Yeah, that's honestly why I probably pretty much started listening to podcasts back in the day and just never stopped because it is just my freaking arm hurt just hanging out there for 15 minutes straight. <laughs> Especially when you're like in areas that you're not familiar with, you know, like around town and stuff. I obviously you do your presets, you know, but if you're in an area that you're not familiar with, you're just trying to find something. Yeah, I feel you take forever. You got to like pull over and be like, OK, I got to tune yeah. in the audio here. That's right. Then we can drive. You're like yelling at the stereo. Find me something good. Stop it. <laughs> I'm sick of this. Every time I go through Missouri, it's like nothing but religious radio stations. It's like 99% of them. It's so it works out well rarity. for you then, right? I mean, it's wonderful. You know, <laughs> I often, I often really expand my worldview far beyond, you know, where it is currently. But it's like I'm amazed that even they can like compete for that same airwave. Right. You know, yeah. like how how do you how do you need twenty these know, types man. of stations and like no yeah. modern rock? Like what right. happened? What about, to what about you classic guys? rock? I mean, I take it if it was there. You know, yeah. I mean, I feel I feel like classic rock is a pretty. It's obviously an ever expanding. Genre yeah. or ever expanding. Like, I mean, it seems like yeah. it's the standard now. Like every place yeah. that you go has at least one classic rock station. Yeah, oldies is kind of dead. Oldies is turning into the eighties. Oldies is like our stuff now. Yes, which I'm okay with. Me too. I'm totally cool. Yeah. I'm loving it. But yeah, it's hard to find some of those like you know fifties and sixties songs on the radio now, which is crazy. But I guess all those people are in nursing homes and crap. Who cares, right? <laughs> well, I mean, like the Beatles. Like, <laughs> I'm just joking. You know, stuff like that. Like, where's that these days? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, when my mom, when I was a kid, you know, we'd be driving around. My mom, you know, she turned it over to, I think it was 99.9, I think. And she just cranked that up. You know, there's always Beatles and Credence or whatever, you know, it'd just be blaring. Yeah, man. Yeah. And now it's like, it's all 80s on there now. Which again, I grew up on that complaining. stuff too. Again, nobody's yeah, nobody has a problem with it. Oh my gosh, it just dawned on me. I remember riding with her one day. We worked together at Arby's. She was a supervisor, and I was obviously just a peon there. But we used to obviously carpool when I was like 15, you know. And I remember driving down the road one day and we were listening to this. And my mom said, you know, because I was complaining, I was like, why do we always listen to oldies? And she was like, you just wait. There will be a day where all your stupid guns and roses and stuff that you like will be considered oldies, too. And you'll be listening to it. I'm like, never. I will never do that. Shut up, Mom. That'll and then now it's like coming on. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm old. I know what you mean, man. Like the classic rock station here now. It's not just playing CCR and Rolling Stones and whatever. Now it's playing Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue and Van Halen. And you're just like, no. (laughs) The time marches on, man. Well, I got a quick funny story about like seeking channels and stuff like that. So this just shows you like how ignorant I was to like different parts of the United States when I was young. Because I had never really traveled outside of Nebraska. And my friend moved to Austin, Texas, 
and it had been a, probably about a year or so since I had seen him and stuff. And so he invited me down to Austin and I was like, yeah, this would be cool. And so hop in my Shelby and I head on down and I make sure I got all my tapes with me, you know, cause I'm like never been a country fan. And so I'm like, I'm not going out to Texas cause it's just going to be a whole bunch of country, you know? And I was like, so like disgusted by like listening to the radio in Texas. Cause I knew it was going to be country boy. Was I wrong? Holy smokes. There was so many awesome radio stations. There was like three or four heavy metal stations, like six rap channels. Granted, they did have a lot of country stations, but there was just like something for everybody and multiple versions of it. And I'm like, come on. Like, why can't we have this up in Nebraska? Well, obviously, I I know why, because we're nowhere near the population as like Austin and Fort Worth and Dallas and stuff like that. But man, it just it made me so angry. I was like, man, now I want to move to freaking Texas just because of this, you know? So you Texas folks, man, you got it made good on you. Everything's bigger in Texas, right? See, I'm a, I'm a heavy metal fan and I don't mean heavy metal, like metallic. I mean like heavy metal, heavy metal, like crazy, like Meshuggah and stuff like that. And like, there's nothing like that here in Nebraska. They would never even think about putting anything like that on the radio, but man in Texas, there was <laughs> there plenty of it. You know, I feel the same way, like, you know, I was more into, like, you know, alternative rock, a little more poppy stuff, I guess. You know, even that, around here, there wasn't a whole lot. Definitely more than, like, say, heavy metal. But I've kind of felt the same way, like, traveling out to Colorado, like, around in Denver. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like, oh, my God, they got all these yes. cool radio stations out here. Man. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I got highly addicted to, let's see, it would have been, like, 94 maybe 93 to probably 98 we had 101.9 the edge yeah and that was a an alternative station and like that introduced me to pearl jam and nirvana and all this stuff which i loved and i was like man this is awesome and like that's all i could listen to and if i went anywhere outside of the listening area it would freak me out because i was like i need that i need my music you know and and so my family and I went on a vacation out to Western Nebraska at that time, and it was driving me insane. Like every single chance I get to listen to the radio or whatever, there was nothing on. It was like country or or country, and <laughs> there was nothing else. And I remember we were in, uh, I think it was like Pioneer Village. I forget what town that's Minden. in, Nate, but Minden. Minden. There you go, Minden, Minden, Nebraska, and they have this cool tourist trap in Minden, nebraska i mean you'll see pioneer village what do you call it road signs or whatever like yep. billboards 300 miles outside of Minden, like telling you to stop at pioneer village it's hilarious but anyways so we were stopped out there and i went outside to go smoke because i was i was cool i was 18 with my parents and i could only smoke out by myself but anyways i was out there listening to the radio like going through going through just trying to find something that was like somewhat good and then finally like a hootie and the blowfish song came on and i wept <laughs> out of joy or sadness out of joy i was like finally something that's like somewhat like you're like (laughs) somewhat good like like thank god like i only want to be with you you know (laughs) i only want to be with you (laughs) i'm just out there smoking just crocodile tears you know like i love you (laughs) you're all i ever wanted (laughs) oh man man radio stations what a thing dude they're Mm -hmm. dying too man are dying off i feel bad yeah the digital waves man are killing them okay guys here's what we do okay so 
we quit this podcast nonsense and we just we start our own radio station. I'm out. Like, well, let's do it. <laughs> I'm down. Because well, you know, right we're now. taking away from you know the talk radio aspect of it. Yeah, we should do a podcast music channel. Like all we do is turn like awesome, awesome songs. There you go. There you go. And people are like, so a recording of a song that we already can get off of Spotify sounds like a great idea. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yes, but you get our commentary with it, though. Yeah, like, how awesome yeah. is that? That's a great idea. I like that. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's just the whole landscape of media is changing. You know, obviously, you know, newspapers and print media and has been on the decline for a long time, which is sad. But it's also a reality. And, you know, and, and these companies, publications have to adapt but I don't know about radio stations. Well, the radio stations, they've gone to autonomous radio. It's like even there's even some radio stations that have a DJ, but it's a computer that's talking. And so it's not even a live person. And so, you know, they don't take requests anymore. It's, there's no interaction with the people anymore because it's just a dying era. And, you know, it's really sad, you know, because there was some really good disc jockeys and stuff back in the day. And around here in Omaha and stuff, you know, Pat and JT were enormous. I mean, they were huge and they, they were canned, you know, a few years ago and now they have their own podcast. They like got together and started their own podcast, you know, and they're still doing it, but it's just sad to see like people can be together on their radio for like 25 years, you know, and then I do voiceover work and there's, you know, I network with a lot of people. I would tell you probably 70% of the people that I know used to be on the radio and they're just like, I don't know anything else. You know, what am I supposed to do? So they're like doing audiobooks or commercial work and, you know, just trying to pay their bills now, you know, because the whole industry is just dying. I grew up around here. My best friend David's dad was kind of like a local radio DJ and pretty well known. He had his own band around town and they'd play classic shows and things like that. And, you know, Fayetteville's Arkansas. And so people probably make a lot of assumptions. We have like one rap station that's relatively new and everything else is like super white bread and really vanilla. But his dad basically did the classic rock station for, you know, probably 15, maybe even 20 years. And like literally he died. Oh, man. And that's it. Like there's not really anybody who like has that knowledge or has that life experience or has that history to like just step in and like take that over the same way. You know, so like to talk about being like a dying breed, it's like even the people who really would be able to do that, you know, are getting to that age where their careers are dovetailing with retirement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like kids aren't growing up anymore being like, I want to be a radio DJ or I want to work in, work for a radio station you're right there's nobody to carry on that that mantle to pick that up and, and continue well that's the thing so you know close by actually in iowa there's a school over there called iowa western 89.7 yep 89.7 the river is a radio station and that's one of the things that they do they have a heavy presence in radio broadcasting and stuff like that is classes and I don't even know if they even offer it anymore. They probably do, but I feel bad for anybody that's trying to get into it because, it's, like I said, it's a dying era. If kids are going into a program like that, I mean, 
does satellite radio still have like they have shows like DJs? Yeah, and satellite stuff, radio right? is doing really well. Yeah, satellite's still doing pretty well. I think it's kind of stagnated. I don't. It was like really growing crazy there for a little bit, but I think it's pretty much stagnated. It'll always be there because the thing is, is like I said, it's the whole reason. Like when you're going through town to town and stuff like that, and you're like, oh man, I lost my radio station. Now what? You know, like with satellite, you can listen to your freaking radio station from los angeles to new york you know and never lose it i don't know if that's good or bad for people though too you know like you're saying like when you headed down to texas and you just got like all these radio surprises and like you got exposed to stuff you probably never would yeah have yeah it was cool intentionally come across you know mm-hmm. i think that one of the things that really makes me sad about the internet is that it like feeds us so much of what we'd like already it's a lot harder to really truly discover like new things yeah and so like pandora and spotify now too they have the option of like you put in a couple songs and stuff and it'll be like i think you might like this and like oh cool so i was on a a good clip there especially on pandora they do it really well i was on a good clip of actually finding a whole lot of new bands of the same kind of genre that i like and stuff and so so it's still there but it's just not but most people don't don't do that you know what I mean? They're just like, oh, I really like this. And I really like that. Yeah. And again, like it's kind of keeping you in the same genre, you know? It is. Yep. That's true. You know, I joked a little bit about like rolling through Missouri and, you know, it being a lot of like Christian radio stations. But you know what? I ended up listening to some that I liked. <laughs> and that is never something I just, I mean, you know, growing up, they'd have like bands that came through the church and were like really popular with the youth groups and things like that. But, it's not something that like is on Fayetteville radio very often. We have a really good college radio station though, and that's like my bread and butter. They don't play anything top forty, and so it like forces you out of the mainstream. And some of it's garbage, absolute trash. But I love like shazamming a song and being like three shazams, you know, like whoa, like I'm listening to this and like. Three other people listened to it ever and shazammed it is kind of just I like stuff that like really like takes me out of the like stuff that I like already. That's a very good point. That is a good point. And I agree. I mean, it's that's the kind of the cool part with like the river over here. They do the same thing where it's like they do a couple popular songs, but it's definitely not top 40. It's usually pretty alternative music and stuff. It's pretty eclectic and it gets you into some stuff that you probably never you know, really got into before. And then plus another cool thing is they, they reach far back. I mean, every once in a while they'll have a Pearl jam song on or something. I mean, you'll be listening to something that was just made three months ago. And the next song is Pearl jam or whatever. And you're like, Holy crap, you know, but it's interesting for sure. But yeah, top 40, man, I, I can't listen to that stuff anymore. I mean, call me old, but it's just, it all (laughs) sounds like like such an old man, but it all sounds the same. Yeah. And it's all pretty much hot garbage. There's just no character to it whatsoever. It is really tired. Yep. Everything's the same. It's just, you know, it's like, there's always that thought like, ah, it's like comfortable, like an old pair of jeans. But then like after a while, the old pair of jeans just has like a hole in the crotch and the pockets and it's just too worn out. Well, and that's the thing. So I, you know, I was a musician for a number of years and I did it kind of semi-professionally and whatnot. So I understand what it goes into making music and stuff. And so when I listen to music, it's a little bit different. I don't just sit there and like, ooh, that's nice and jam along or whatever. Like I can pick out what they're doing and stuff like that. And it's super frustrating to me because 
from where I come from, most of it's just not a lot of talent. You know, it's just a radio producer or not a radio, but a, a producer in a studio that's coming up with the same formulatic stuff. And they're just, here's another artist to put over the top of it. And, and let's do this. And let's do it. And everything's got the same kind of sound to it. It's really hard to tell what this person is or that person is. And, you know, back when we were young, I mean, you knew this was Nirvana or you knew this was Motley Crue or whatever, you know, and it's like, you knew the, the different sounds and stuff. And, but nowadays it's just like, ugh, it's like, everything's really breathy and really just mumble. Everything is auto tuned. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. rough, man. Are we right going off on a weird guys. tangent? <laughs> so we were talking about music and I remember one of the best times I ever had with my dad was I bought the Nirvana Unplugged album. And my dad was always like a big like Bob Dylan fan. And but I remember he always wanted this like old Range Rover. And he ended up we ended up like driving from Savannah to Charleston to pick this car up. And we were in like a Mercedes 300 SL, no SD diesel. It's like an early 80s model. And I had this Nirvana CD or probably a set. No, it was a CD. The CD because I remember the rover had a CD player, and it was the first time I did that in a car, and I threw that sucker in, and like we still bond over that album, you know. Nice. We still have like these memories the, of like the going and getting this car, and yeah, listening that's a great to album, yeah. like yeah. tip to tail. Oh, it is. Yeah, and you know that's like one of my formative car memories, going to get this thing that he really liked, and they used to have record stores you guys remember record stores where yeah we still got my albums yeah Mm -hmm. and they had a really really swanky one that kind of reminded me of like empire records nice the movie you know in charleston like downtown across from a coffee shop and just i don't think i've ever felt cooler than like that timeline i mean music is just completely it's a different experience right now it is it's going through um the polar axis is completely flipped the people control what's happening now which i think in a lot of ways is really really cool but in some ways it's it's sad because it's it's just getting shook up without any there's no bumpers keeping it in, in place and so and what i mean is is like just with soundcloud and things of that nature now now artists you don't have to get a record deal you don't you can create your own stuff and put it out there and sell it a dollar a pop and next thing you know you're a millionaire you know if you write something good put it out there i mean there's so many people out there like billy eilish and post malone and stuff like that they didn't get a record deal they went out and did their own thing and they're crushing it you know and it's so cool and then also on top of it you have these other bands now that instead of trying to get a major label to sign them and and produce their albums and stuff like that they are going to their fans and they're saying hey we'll sign some gear and we'll do this and we'll do that and we'll give you like lyric sheets and stuff like that if you give us twenty dollars to put towards our next album and so they'll do crowdfunding and next thing you know they just paid for the whole album and now they don't owe anybody anything they don't owe a debt to the label or they don't have to have the label you know taking 86 percent of their album sales and stuff and they can get 100 percent of their album sales because it, it was crowdfunded so i think it's cool i mean it's 
you know, in a way, I mean, there's people's jobs at stake, you know, when you see like big industries go down and that sucks in that regard. And I feel really bad for those people because it's been, it was such an iron horse for so many years, but, but also, you know, you see these artists that work their tail off to try to get recognition and get paid for what they're doing and stuff. And they just got just hosed for so many years and now they're actually taking that, that control of it. And so I'm proud of it in that regard, but it is sad to see an, an industry, you know, just failing. I can't remember exactly when it came out. It was like the late 2000s. I was out of college already. And Radiohead, which is like a fully established band, had had, you know, major success at this point, released in Rainbows. And that was mm. a digital download, pay what you want. Yes. I remember that. They were, they were yeah. the first ones to really do that. Yeah, you know, they were out of contract, they went around, kind of like the whole industry was like in meltdown mode, and they just went for it. Yeah, because when you got that, and then you got like Lars Ulrich from Metallica suing Napster, you know, and it's like, dude, Radiohead, they went the right way. They hugged what was going on, and they grasped it, and they're like, let's try to benefit from it. And they did, and that was, and now look at it, that's what everybody is now. You know, I'd forgotten that Metallica had gotten so much like terrible PR during that time period for that too. I was not a huge Metallica fan, and I was like, "Well, now I'll never be a Metallica fan." Yeah, right. I mean, don't I'm, get me wrong; I'm not going to admit <laughs> if I did or did not any illegal downloading or not. But the thing was, is that again, they could have embraced it and did something with it, but instead, it's like yes. it's so. It seems so pretentious to have these like multi-millionaire musicians like don't download our stuff, man. We're gonna come after you with a full vengeance, you know. It's like uh, I think you guys have plenty of money. While I'm sitting over here making minimum wage, I'll just go ahead and download Lincoln Park. Thanks, you know. <laughs> yeah, you well, know, hey, didn't like, System of a Down have a album called Steal This Album? Yes, they yeah. did. Yeah. I feel like the worst thing an artist can be is obscure, right? I mean, if you want to be famous or popular or like out there, you know, people have to know about you. And I I guess like any PR is good PR, but at the same time, and I'm also like, I've done some painting, I've done some like creative works in my past. And Jeff, you've been in a band, like you don't want to put all this work in and really just get hosed. You know, I get that, like being paid for your work, you know, that's a big deal. But yeah, when you are already immensely successful, it just does look like a money grab. It right? came, yeah, it came off so bad. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, trust me, I wrote multiple albums and stuff. And I was a part of a lot of different stuff. And I would probably never used any of that music to buy anything besides more equipment, you know. But the thing was, it's like if somebody would have been downloading my stuff and doing it for free, I wouldn't have cared. I'd be like, Hey, you like it. Cool. Go get it and share it with your friends. You know, i really feel like, you know, the true artist. I was handing out albums and stuff for free anyways. You know, I was like, I was trying to spread the word and stuff. And, you know, everybody has that dream that you want to become big and huge and all this other stuff, you know, but it's part of the territory that people are going to dub your tapes, you know, back in the day, or they're going to burn copies of your CDs and they're going to hand it out and stuff. It's just part of what happens, you know, but to come across like that, like, like Metallica did, it was so just, just bad posture. Like, what are you doing? You know, it's so stupid. But luckily, most people forgot about it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's been so long. Yeah, I mean, the kids, you know, we were talking earlier about how old Wikipedia was. And, you know, we don't think about it, but, like, people who 
were around when 9-11 happened. If you're not 20, <laughs> you weren't around. And there's just so much that kind of, I hate to say it, but like you kind of had to be there to have that experience and to, to be in that era. Man, what a bunch of cultural change we were going through. Yeah, for sure. Wow. So second gen Camaro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim and E. Anyway, like those a, headlights, man. Jeez. Yep. <laughs> they are so <laughs> controversial. That's right. Man, I think we could probably put a pin in it. Yeah, I think that's perfection. Well, thanks, everyone, for coming along on this crazy ride with us as we talked about pretty much everything. It was a fun episode to record, and we really hope you guys all enjoyed it. So be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Share us around to your friends. Make an illegal copy of our stuff. We don't care. Share it around. Please. We want to you know, spread yeah, the tire kicker love. We're okay if you don't pay for our, yeah, you don't pay for <laughs> That's these right. episodes. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We're grownups. We're cool with it. It's totally fine. We're in it for the likes. That's right. We're in it for the likes. Also, if you're feeling extra generous, you can go to Kofi.com and buy us a coffee. Just go to ko-fi.com backslash tire kicker media and click on the donate button. Any sort of funds that are donated to us are used for the show to keep this thing going. So we greatly appreciate your financial support and what we do. And until next time, good journey. 